This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However... When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Rob Ryan Red podcast. No Rich, as he alluded to last week for long-time listeners, Rich is enjoying the beer the cafes and the medieval Slim Shady music that is uh, in Krakow, Poland. So there's no Rich. He does feature slightly on this podcast with a good friend of his to help tee up the crew game. So you'll hear that shortly. But it is just me. Um, As always, this podcast is brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development and the stings you'll hear, as always, brought by Hypnotic. Now, this has been a week for Wrexham. Well, the elephant in the room. The shellacking by Stockport, the heaviest defeat of the Phil Parkinson era. You and I both don't want to be listening. I'm talking about that. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, what went wrong. I don't need to do too much. What we're going to look ahead to is crew at the weekend. We've got a crew fan on to help us unpack Lee Bell's team and how they're second top scorers in the division and how they're probably exceeding expectations among the general League 2 fan. We're also going to hear from a Mansfield podcaster, so look ahead to Tuesday's game, a reunion with former Wrexham player Davis Keeler-Dunn. He's been one of the best players in the division so far. And we're also going to hear from one of the, well, not stars because he's not in it so much, but one of the big topics from this week's documentary, Paul Mullins' boots, specifically those F the Tory boots. I'm not going to swear on the podcast. And he's going to talk us through his various designs. He's designed boots for Ollie Palmer, Ben Tozer, Andy Cannon. Uh, he'll give us his dream player to design boots for and talk us a bit about Mullen and, and also that that infamous pair. Um, he can't get away. I couldn't get go a whole podcast without asking him about those. So lots and lots of guests. Um, the, there is a guest coming up very, very soon, ex-player that very recently played for Wrexham that is in that kind of takeover era. So hopefully he will come on very soon that'll be very exciting but I'll tell you what what I'd start with I thought because before we get into Stockport before we get into everything else I thought I would share some of your thoughts because 
I asked the question, what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts and opinions on episodes four and five of the documentary? Now, I know Rich is aware, I did text him saying, what did he think? He's away enjoying Krakow, as I said. But lots of you did give your thoughts on episode four and five. Episode four, Sean's vacation, Sean's holiday. Sean Harvey away in Tenerife with his wife. And there was a reenactment of him and things that were going wrong. Um, Rob McElhinney sending up a blimp and that was it contravening aviation laws and then contravening Article 48 and the blackout laws when he was in the turf um, wanting to watch Wrexham's away game at Boreham Wood and the myriad things, the boots, as I said, and we'll get onto those in more detail. But there were lots of things that were ruining Sean's holiday. And then episode five was essentially about 18 minutes worth of content when you deducted the intro and the credits. And it was basically about Wrexham's losing culture, essentially. It was kind of perennial underachievers. Rob McConney talked about how all of his sports teams had come second, Philadelphia Union, Philadelphia Eagles, um, the Phillies, um, just just everything, everything. The Flyers, was it even? I don't even know. Every team he supported basically went down the drain. Wrexham in the FA Trophy final, Wrexham uh, to stop putting the league. Uh, and kind of they used an actress, um, Susan Lucci, um, Susan Lucci, that was basically she had this long historical streak that Americans will know probably better than Brits, really, that she didn't win an Emmy and eventually wins it. And they're kind of using that um, as a metaphor for Rex and breaking their own curse, essentially. Um, but it's less about what I think and more about what you lot thought. So here are some of the responses that I got from a tweet that just said, you know, what did you think? Um, Dewey put it isn't anywhere near the first series so far that seems to have gone away from the football side of things which is a shame um, Joe put like the documentary as a whole you can tell who the target audience is episode 4 Sean's Vacation is a laugh but most of it feels OTT or overplayed episode 5 is a bit all over the place there's a segment on Dorking Wanderers and then no mention or highlights of our game against them I suppose you do see Mendy's first goal but no more after that Spirit of 78 put, Sean's vacation is all well and good, but it begs the question, what does Fleur, CEO Fleur do if Humphrey is the one dealing with Harvey when he's away, basically? Um, George was quite unimpressed with the actress line, Susan Lucci, why are they showing some actress who didn't win an Emmy? Valeria's put, underwhelmed and disappointed. Ben put, it's not, not been too bad, but let's keep it about football. And there have been others. So I'm going to read you some positives as well because it's all about balance. And it, it was, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts. RobBrianRay at gmail.com. I'm going to read a couple of emails out recently while I've got time. It, it was interesting to see the divide of opinion because I, I saw, like I say, some locals, some Americans that also weren't keen on it. Um, so here is what here is a positive. Jael put, loved it. Susan Lucci portions were so lovely, really connected the two worlds the owners are straddling. It's bizarre that folks are being so dismissive. You want Hollywood owners, but want nothing to do with the industry that is bringing eyeballs, fame, and money to the city and the team. It's an interesting take compared to some of the others. Isaac put, episodes four is a bit weird. I don't like it. Phil Bennett put, I think we seem to be drifting off topic quite a bit this season. Are they struggling to get decent content? I mean, look, it was a record-breaking season, so you wouldn't think they'd have been short on content. Phil get Phil Getzinger, pardon me there, but I like both, although I see there are some harsh critics in Wales. I'm sure once they get into the FA Cup and towards the end of the season, it'll be more football-focused. Also, Suzanne Lucci is a treasure. A um, couple more nicks of dissatisfaction, mainly, with these episodes. Not great, too much padding, not related to the actual team in episode five for me, given the length of each one. 
Um, Dan Martin, but I like the Sean's vacation idea, the Mendy bit and giving credit to other clubs like Dorking, but I think they've veered a little too far away from the actual club and matches. Hoping that'll resolve itself as we see some of the other stories come into play. More knots, Foster. There is one more I wanted to read. So, uh, hang on. Here's one from Sarah. Love the Sean one. Just finished it. Laughed a lot. Just about to start episode five. Uh, Matty put, if people want more football, then they can watch the highlights on YouTube. Love seeing the backstories play out. Each episode managing to still be so different. People are bound to dislike a few. I can see both sides of it on the documentary front. And, and I would definitely be picking Rich's brain when he's back. Got an episode on the women's team next week. That'll be slightly longer, you would imagine, because it's only one episode being released. I have to say, personally, I think... I've always said, haven't I, that I would, I would long prefer a kind of all-or-nothing type documentary, which I know it isn't, and I know it's also not aimed at legacy fans who, you know, eat and breathe every nook and cranny of the football club and like every update and game and moment in that game. And, and I totally get that. I totally understand that. And and the fact that the documentary is up for so many Emmys from season one is proof that they know exactly what they're doing. But I, I have been surprised, I would say, by perhaps the lack of behind the scenes football stuff. Um, obviously, we've seen bits in the change. I thought there would be just slightly more changing room stuff, slightly more training ground stuff. Um, slightly more team meetings, that sort of thing. But I get that you know there is a bigger there's a, there's a there's a bigger purpose at play for for the documentary makers, you know. And 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 I'm excited to see what's forthcoming. I'm I definitely I'll be peeved in a couple of weeks on the podcast if we don't get a real blow by blow of the Billy Sharp incident and the whole ten uh, tunnel furore of that Sheffield United game. I'll be really disappointed with that. And and also while we're on the topic of Sheffield United. I was in this flat that I'm in now. I fell asleep, drifted off on a Sunday, thought nothing of it, very quiet, trying to forget the misery of Stockport. I wake up to about a million notifications to see that Sheffield United have lost 8 0. And uh, my lovely partner in crime had caused absolute murder on Twitter and seemed to trigger the entire city of Sheffield. So that was, that was all fun and games, uh, if you haven't seen that. There was uh, a little jibe back at the people of Sheffield United uh, on sticking it in a documentary after they lost 8-0 to Newcastle. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to come back in. I'm going to talk a little bit about Stockport. But this is our first guest of the week. So we play crew on Saturday and we roped in one of Rich's good friends, Henry. And uh, he's going to talk us through crew, Lee Bell, how things have changed over the summer. And Rich also chimes in from Krakow. So without further ado, here is what we learned about crew this week. So, hello, welcome to Rob Brown Red again. Uh, joined this week by a good friend of mine, Henry Lewis. Uh, everything we need to know about crew, I think we've named dropped you a few times on the podcast before, probably when we were going to buy Nick Powell and that didn't happen. How are you doing, mate? How are you feeling this season? Because we always speak about crew and you never know what to expect, do you? Yeah, in terms of this season so far, I am surprisingly good. I didn't think things would have gone the way that they've gone so far. Um, we've lost once in the league to Bradford away, which I think is kind of acceptable, really. By all accounts, we actually should have done better in that match. Um, but yeah, I think so far, most crew fans, well, I think pretty much all crew fans would be extremely happy with how things have gone. We've uh, we've been 2-0 down 
in a lot of games and then managed to nick two all draws. I think it's happened four times actually this season. And that in itself is is kind of something that happened to us a lot last season, but the other way around. Um, so there's clearly a bit of resilience there. We've got some decent wins as well along the way. So yeah, I think everyone's pretty happy, man. It's It's been a while since the squad has looked so sort of balanced and there is like a decent atmosphere around Grassley Road again, which it's been a good few years since we could say that. So heading into this weekend against Wrexham, it is, I'm not going to say it's a derby, but certainly a more fierce contest than the most matches we have in League Two. Does it just represent sort of a free hit from Crew's point of view? I mean, every team loves to beat us anyway, don't they? I'm guessing Crew would love to add their names to that list. Yeah, it's a tough one because I understand what you mean about the free hit. And then you see the result for you for you boys last weekend and all of a sudden it's like, well, hang on a minute. How, you know, how can, obviously you're, you're a good team with good players. How can that happen? How can results like that happen? Um, you know, I, I understand that it was away from home, but... Yeah, and it, it does sort of give a, a bit of confidence in the respect of, you know, this season we've been scoring goals um, and we have a lot of different goal scorers as well, which which is probably the best thing about it. I mean, we've got three strikers that are all doing decent this season. We've got midfielders that are chipping in, you know, for a good few games, it was only defenders that had scored our goals. So we do have goals from all over the pitch. Uh, you know, I think it will be different, obviously, come to your place. I've been myself. The atmosphere is incredible, and you know it definitely, definitely will be on uh, on Saturday. I think there will be some added spice. Definitely, I think the fact that the proximity will add into it, and I know from a crew fan's perspective, there is definitely that feeling, you know, of it being sort of like a derby, and obviously the the kind of the added spice of of the the documentary and the Hollywood and all that sort of stuff. You know, I think, you know. I'd be lying if 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 I said that that wasn't an element. Of course it is. You know, I, I think everyone feels that, and you know, there's definitely a certain. If we're being honest, if we were to distill it down, it's probably jealousy more than anything else. I think every fan of a League Two or League One uh, football club would want that, you know, to have what has happened to your club happen to their own club. You know, I think there might be like older stalwarts that would deny it, but I, I personally, you know, I'd love it to see something like that happen to Crew. Um, so yeah, I think I think there will be a lot of spice. I think it should be a really hotly contested match. I think we we're coming into it in some decent form. So yeah, I'm hoping for a high-scoring game. Obviously, uh, with the result going the right way towards the railway men. Henry, what's you got the verdict? Sorry, what's the verdict? Rich, I'm cutting you off there. What's the verdict on Lee Bell? Because this is his first managerial job. Obviously, he's at, you know crew legend. Are we saying? I mean, he's had multiple spells at Crew. Come through the academy. Legend's a bit overused, but I mean, he's this is he's, he's clearly a club man at least, and I, I don't know what you've made of him as a, as a manager. So I must admit, the situation with our, our managerial team has been a bit strange. So um, we started with we started last season uh, with Alex Morris and Lee Bell was his assistant, and then around sort of I think October November time last year, Alex Morris sort of stepped down from the role. And then he became the assistant and Lee Bell became the manager. And to a lot of fans, myself included, we you know there was, there was quite a little, there was, it was quite unsatisfactory really because, you know, we wanted to see some sort of progress. We wanted to see maybe an outside influence come into the club. There is there is a lot with, with Crew Alex where they employ internally a lot. 
you know, coaches, managers, you know, it, it is very much in-house. And I think a lot of crew fans having had a really, really bad season when we got relegated from League One and then kind of an indifferent start to last season, we were thinking, let's get someone in who's completely outside of the club and can sort of identify the issues and try and pull the club up again. And I must admit, I was one of those people. So when Lee Bell was appointed last year, it was quite underwhelming and it and it kind of felt like the the sort of due process hadn't hadn't happened. But actually, you know, you have to give him so much credit because he, you know, all we wanted last season was to stay up. And I know that sounds ridiculous. We finished thirteenth in the end, but we were really worried that there there could be the potential of a double drop. You know, we weren't scoring many goals. Um there were some really poor players in the squad. And actually to finish thirteenth and sort of consolidate and be like, right, okay, we're all good. And then move into a new season with Lee Bell. He's done a really good job in the summer. He's managed to shift some dead wood. He's, the signings that he's made this summer have been excellent, to be fair. So uh, Jack Powell in the midfield is one of them. And Shiloh Tracy, who's sort of like an attacking winger. He's another really important player. And uh, Mickey Dimitreo as well, who's uh, an experienced defender. So they've brought in some really decent players that have, really improve the club. So I have to give Lee Bell a lot of credit and he switched formations quite a lot throughout this season. So if things aren't looking great, he's managed to switch it up. So we we started against MK Dons with a, I think it was a 5-3-2. We were 1-0 down at half time. It wasn't looking great. He brought a defender off. He brought Shiloh Tracy on. We ended up winning the match 3-1. MK were top of the league at the time. So there have been examples of that throughout this season. And that is all down to, to Lee Bell and his management team. So I have to say now, you know, <laughs> you have you have to say it's a good appointment. And, and, it, and now it is nice that he is a you know, a, a former player. And then it, it all sort of, it all works again, you know? So it's, yeah, it was an interesting one, but it, it's definitely looking good now. I thought it was interesting because we stick with three five two until the until the bitter end. Um, whereas I think with Crew, from what I've seen, I think against Colchester, it was more of a 4-3-3, I thought. Yeah. Um, with kind of Baker Richardson, Long and um, Shiloh Tracy yeah. uh, up top. So, and then against Wimbledon, when you got that ninety plus ten minute <laughs> equaliser, yeah. um, it, that looked more like a three five two or a five three two. So, yeah. you know, what do you expect then? I suppose system wise, do you think you'll, he'll match us up this weekend? Because we're obviously going to go three five two. I would imagine so. Yeah, I would imagine so. I think they'll play. I think they'll start with more defenders. Um, we have we have actually got some decent centre backs, and it kind of helps because the full backs that we have maybe aren't as good at defending as they are as going forward. So having that extra cover in the middle does help. But the, the fullbacks that we do have are are decent um in terms of going forward. So it kind of works in that respect. So yeah, I think I think it will start with five at the back. I think he'll probably go three in midfield and, and two up top to begin with. But you know, depending on how the game's going, I, I do see it changing. Um I think it will probably change regardless. You know, I think he does like to mix it up and, and it has worked. And I think as well because of the sort of the the demands of of the league, you know, um, we've got a lot of games coming up Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and I think it has to it has to happen. And again, like I said before about the recruitment, they have intelligently recruited a couple of loan signings as well that can really help just bring on some some fresh legs. Um, so we've got Aaron Rowe from Huddersfield, who's who's looked pretty decent so far. So it's players like that that can come come off the bench. They've got a bit of pace and they can sort of help stretch a game. 
Right then, final question for you, Henry. What are you expecting this weekend then? Head or heart? Um, <laughs> well, it's not. Or they both the yeah, same. I mean, yeah, it's always going to be heart, isn't it? Let's be fair. Uh, <laughs> I can see us going two 0 down at half time and pinching a two all draw. I think. I think it just seems to be the way that this this team is going. Um, I would love it actually if you know instead of getting the draw, we managed to to nick a three two win. So do you know what? I'll change my mind. I'll go three two to the railway men. Ace, thank you very much, Henry, for your time. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. So there you go. I mean, look, crew are not going to be short on confidence. They've salvaged plenty of results. I mean, look, a 90 plus 10 minute in stoppage time equaliser against AFC Wimbledon. I I think they will look at Wrexham, particularly based on the weekend. I think they'll look at Wrexham, who will be desperate to make a response. And I know from some of the players that they're eager to set the record straight and, and, and respond in kind with a thrashing of their own. Crew have proven they can hang in games. They've proven they can. They can, they they can slug out. They can score goals. Courtney Baker Richardson's a player I like a lot. Um, they've got others in there that, you know, will will be able to score goals, and um, it'll be really interesting. I think we'll still edge it. I just think we'll be licking our wounds from Stockport. Crew will be looking at those wing backs, McLean and Barnett, and they'll be thinking if we can get behind them then they're going to have problems because at the minute, defensively, we've conceded 20 goals. 15 of those have come in three matches. MK Dons, Swindon and Stockport. So, you know, something has to give. Something has to give. Whether that is going to a double pivot with George Evans, whether that is getting James Jones back in, a bit more legs in midfield, a bit more energy. Um, You know, Luke Young, I'm obviously a massive advocate for. And I also, we've got an email recently. I'm going to read it out because someone else is part of the Luke Young society forgive me if i've already read this one out dan but um dan wrote in about uh, the importance of luke young and he put i'm also with nathan the appreciation camp of luke young what this man has done is virtually unheard of in terms of football um when he first broke into the team questions were being asked when he was given the, que- the captaincy questions were being asked virtually told to share the captaincy and he just knuckled down um you know in what has been the most towards the end of what was the most important season for us he was out the team and something's happened. He's back in and the new season began. He wasn't making the squad originally, but he's back in. And without a peep, he's shown grit, hard work, determination, something which he and this club epitomizes. Uh, Park, he's got no choice but to keep playing him. Obviously, he was the one who had to front up as the captain after Stockport. I mean, no one wanted that really, um, but he fronted up. I think he will play again, but I also wouldn't be surprised if there was a bit of rotation. I wouldn't be surprised, for example, if we saw a George Evans, James Jones, forgetting the names there, George Evans, James Jones, Elliot Lee combination. I do think Tom O'Connor's slightly out of sorts. Luke Young is not out of sorts. He's playing well, but after a 5-0, I'm expecting either no change at all, and he sends the same lot out and says, look, go again and restore you know, fans' faith in, in, in you, basically, or he'll make wholesale changes. I don't know if there's an in-between. Um, an injury doubt over Ollie Palmer. So whether Ollie Palmer plays against Crew, we shall see. One man I expect to play against Crew is Paul Mullin. Now, Paul Mullin has used uh, Zebra Customs for multiple pairs of boots. You'll remember at the FA Trophy final, he had Paws Patrol. He's had a couple of different Albi pairs made. 
and he's been banging the drum in the in the dressing room for others to get it done and and for others to to seek out custom made designs. So I thought, given there was talk in the documentary about his boots and the furore that caused, I thought let's speak to the man who's been making these boots for Wrexham squad and where his love affair with Wrexham and painting came from. So without further ado, this is what I learned this week about the art of football boots. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Right, so as I already will have teed up, um, I've been meaning to get various people on, um, some of the photographers I'd love to get on soon, but one of the people I've been keen to get on for a while now, because he's been, he's been creating footwear, custom footwear for a while, John, who is the founder, the brains behind Zebra Customs. Now, if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, probably, you will have seen, particularly Paul Mullin has had a number of boots made up, but Jacob Mendy, Elliot Lee, Ollie Palmer, Ben Tozer, and even if you're a real diehard, even more so than us, bootlegger back in the days had his own custom pair. John, thanks for coming on. I guess my first question for you is, when did it start? How did he get into kind of custom making and painting footwear? So I think like everybody, um, when COVID hit, I think a lot of people decided that they want to try something because everyone had like a year, a year plus to sort of sit and mope around and decide what they wanted to do. So that was a big turning point for me, I think. Um, I've always been artsy, I guess. And I just had a conversation with one of my old college lecturers and he was saying, what are you doing? What should, like, what do you want to do? And then somehow it just came around to, I bought a pair of trainers and I'd seen a guy on YouTube that was doing it himself out in the States and I let go. And then it's just stemmed from there, really. Uh, art was probably my worst subject at school, as in I, have, I might have, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, maybe I have. I had a teacher once who I shall remain nameless, but I gave in a self-portrait, John, and it wasn't good. It wasn't very good. We, I can firmly accept that. But this uh, this teacher would never laugh, rarely ever smile, and she burst out laughing at my self-portrait. So I'm glad that you're doing these boots and I'm not, and I've stuck to podcasting. Um, what's the love affinity with Wrexham then? What's your kind of relationship with Wrexham Football Club? So, I I moved. I'm actually I was actually born in uh, Scotland in Glasgow. So I moved here when I was about eight. Um, I went to the games with my dad used to take me because Stevie Evans was his was his a close friend of his. So it was just cool to see one of my dad's friends playing. You know what I mean? That was like quite a cool thing. I've actually got his match worn shirt somewhere upstairs from when they were last in League Two. I wore that to the final day, which was cool. Um, 
I'm a Rangers fan first and foremost. I'm not going to pretend like I'm this diehard Wrexham fan because I'm not. But because of my affiliation with the club now, it's hard not to be a fan. Like it really isn't. It's so difficult because there's this infectious like disease around the ground at the minute that just keeps everybody wanting to come and and because I have like I said because I have like a good relationship with the players and stuff now, I find myself like you know really wanting to go and watch and just take it all in really so talk me through i mean maybe when i put this episode out we'll share some of the boots again that that people might have missed over the time but let's just talk through some of the designs and kind of you know who was who was your first client was it moles was it mullin to be fair he'd spoke with um ewan the kit man so shout out to you and he's been amazing um and he'd, he'd talked about getting something done for the fa trophy final and at the time, I'd happened to just be sort of starting. I'd not, I'd not done boots before. It was something I wanted to get onto doing, but it wasn't something I was, I had any plans of doing at that point. And in, I, I got in contact with him, and he was like, "Right, I want, I want this for my lab, the Paw Patrol pair." That was the first pair of boots that I did, uh, and they were amazing. I loved them, but there was issues with them durability-wise. It's like a massive, like learning curve with the boots because with normal trainers you don't have to worry about wears and tears but with obviously playing footy they're just constantly getting bashed around so there's a lot of like different steps that i need to ensure to try and get the boots to stay durable so how does it work though in terms of okay mullin you know and we've seen them he had the two paw patrol characters didn't he on either boot and i think he had albie down the what do we call it the spine of the boot or whatever the 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 heel um is he involved in that creative process or does he sort of say to you, these are the characters I quite like or my son likes? Crack on, basically. So normally, if for example, when Mullen came, he said, oh, my son loves Paw Patrol. So sort of my, I guess, creative cogs. Dick. And then I'll normally do like a mock design on like a um, design software on the computer. So I sent him across a design and he was like, oh, if you can, if you can do that, that'll be amazing. So then we just got to work, really. Yeah, and, and uh, you know he's been one of your biggest champions. I mean, he's had multiple... Are we up to... How many boots has he had done? Are we up to three or four pairs? Well, four pairs sitting on the mantelpiece there, ready to be painted for him. So if that gives... Literally got ready to go. So so, so he's just had... He's just had... I'm skipping ahead here, but he's just had the, the Albie with the autism logo. He's yeah, just promoted that. Have we got any any new any new Mullen designs got- coming? So it's just that I've just got the template. I've literally just got the boots with me, but um, he's got three, like I said, three or four more pairs. Like that'll be. I'm going to try and make different designs because for me, I like to keep things different because obviously not a post. But yeah, you'll be seeing more, more of Mullen. Oh, there you go. That's tea. We're excited to see more designs. Um, and I guess you know, I mean, I don't need to spell out the the kind of the cult hero status of Paul Mullen, and if he's championing your boots. You know that is great. Did that then spiral in terms of other players saw what you'd done with the Paw Patrol ones, and and quickly you were getting orders from the others. Yeah, pretty much that was exactly how it went. Um, obviously, like it's the same way. If somebody sees somebody with something and they want it, that's just how things tend to go. But yeah, like a lot of the time, I'll approach the players. To be honest, I'll say, like for example, I approached Elliot Lee and I said, "Oh, I'd love to do your pair." This was towards the back end of last season, and his were really nice because his were like a sort of sentimental stuff, 
and there's a lot there was a lot more design on those with the the butterfly and yeah, I was going to say I was going to say talk us through because again not everyone will have seen the boots and we don't all have the boots to to show on the video now but, but basically Elliot Lee's one we've got a butterfly on on one side and then just talk us through the other the other elements of that boot Leave the butterflies to mark a passing of his, one of his childhood friends, as well as the number thirty-eight, which he wears. And then he's also got, um, I think it was a heart with like five initials on for different members of his family, and a little paw print for his dog, I believe. Yeah, that was it. That was a good memory from you there. Um, I also like the fact that they make sure that you're in the pictures when they get to pose with the boots. Um, yeah, you know. it's, it's nice to sort of show like who's creating stuff and i like to i've made mistakes in the past and the biggest mistake i made was with rob mcelhenny was when i give them i didn't hand them over personally and that like really bothered me so every time now that we do it i want to be there in person was, were to... they were they trainers that you'd make because i saw us i saw a pair of trainers that had i think it had the owners on one side and it had luke young and someone else on the other maybe Have i made that there we go. There we go. So uh, these are for, these are for Ryan. Um, are they all for Ryan? I, yeah, I meant to see him. Which game was it? Wood game. I meant to see him today, but because it was so busy and it was such a massive game, um, obviously he was so busy that it was, it was it was hard to go and see him. So Ryan, if you're watching, get on to me. Get get get. Pick your trainers at Ryan. You've got you got some new footwear there. They look great, by the way. But the the Rob ones, they were also trainers, weren't they? And I think, I, I think someone gave them him at the fan forum thing that they had. Well, I was there. You were there, but I sent it to Humphrey. I think it was Humphrey. I gave it to, and then Humphrey sort of gave them to him, and then it was great. Obviously, they react. I actually got to speak to him and stuff. But for me personally, it would have been nice to just give them. And now, like I made that point. Like every time I do some of us on the day, it's got to come straight through. There you go. Well, look, when Ryan gets them, you'll be there physically handing them over, which is good. Lesson learned. Um, there have been loads. Look, ben Tozer had some. Libby from the women's team, she had quite a, uh, a sentimental pair, which was nice about her late dad, wasn't it? So, I mean, for you, it must be, because they're always so happy to get them. It must be so rewarding when you, when you finish the design off. There's something about creating something and then have an athlete wear it and play in it. It's a bit different to just creating like a piece of art for them to hang up on their wall because it's kind of with them on the pitch, you know. And, and like I met, I put a post that when I did Mullins last pair for last season, I said on the post, I said, this will be the pair that take Wrexham to the Football League. And then he obviously scored the brace on the, the game against Boreham Woods. So it was just stuff like that's crazy like top goal scorer in the FA Cup like you can't ask for better advertisement than that you know no I mean yeah Paul Moyne's boots were essentially made of gold um, last season they couldn't stop scoring so that was great for you I mean this week I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on the topic given it is in the documentary this week the boots that went all over the world and for something that for something that you just started in COVID mate I couldn't imagine uh, what that would have been like just seeing it unfold. We don't need to get into the ins and outs of what happened too much because in the documentary, but did you think when he got those boots or asked for those boots, or, because it didn't take off straight away, it kind of did explode when it exploded, but the F the Tories boots, I mean, how do you look back on that whole situation? Um, I was all for it when he spoke to me about it. 
he, he, we spoke about and obviously this is his views and I agree with them um, totally like what he stands for it's amazing but he approached me with this and I was like right I'll get to work let's go I want to do this because I kind of knew that it would it would at least be a popular post let's say did I expect it to go as what it did no but I mean it was just crazy I had so many messages positive and very negative of people it's just just, yeah, just amazing though because they they were i mean that was no exaggeration to say that had gone global that 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 whole story i mean you know it was obviously the increased attention on rex some ryan i mean ryan reynolds even says on the documentary like he liked the instagram post um yeah. you know so that must have been very surreal like you say because you are you, you are designing all these boots that look great but that one really was like the this explosion of interest. In my opinion, like all the other boots I've done for Paul were better designed, but because of the just the the statement and the magnitude, of them, that was the, they're the most. There, which is fine. Like I'm, I'm content with that. But then it's kind of like, well, it's a shame because obviously I've done a lot of great work, and then it's kind of those. That got the shot. It's weird. It's a, it's a it's a kind of bittersweet feeling, is is what I'd say. I feel like that's that's the way the world, though. No, like the anything that causes the most that's... controversy will always get you the best number one spot. Exactly. Yeah. But when Ryan so. when Ryan Reynolds puts your trainers on Instagram, that'll usurp it as like the most. Um, there you go. So what's been your favorite pair? What, what it doesn't have to be for Rex or What's been the the best thing you've designed or the, your favorite design that you've ever done? So it's. Um, strictly like what I was happy with I did a denim jacket a few months ago like it took me like 50 odd hours so that was probably the the most rewarding piece of work I've ever done Um, it's probably a toss up between Mullins just I, just the whole thing of Mullins being the top goal scorer win the league it's hard not to love them those boots to be honest, it's not like an intricate design, but it's just, it just, it was just great, you know. But I also did another pair for, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the UFC at all. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a fighter, there's an Aussie fighter, his name's Tai Tuivasa. He's a big heavyweight. He drinks beers out of shoes. Um, right. I met, he was one of my favorite fighters, and he still is. And I messaged him, and I was like, I really want to make this pair of shoes here so you can drink out of it when you win. And he replied, like, yeah, let's go. I was like, oh, okay, let's go. And so we got talking. We did a video call. I made the shoes for him. They were like his, he's got like a beer brand. So it's like advertising his beer brand. So I sent them out to him. And then he fought in Texas and he, he knocked the guy out and he drunk a beer out of my shoe on like BT Sports. That was, so that one was probably for me, that was the biggest turning point in which I was like, you can literally create these these moments for yourself if you just talk to the right people or you get a nice little break. Absolutely, uh, so. yeah, absolutely amazing. And uh, like you say, the 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 kind of the feeling of pride when you see them either scoring a goal or or you know doing a shoey after a after a fight, um, you know that is is amazing. Um, and I mean, I, I was just looking then at the Andy Cannon um, lion boots. Was that just was that a quick idea after the whole? Because it, it, that came out of nowhere for him. He was like nothing to do with a lion. Then he yeah. claims he's seen a lion on the motorway, and next thing you know, 
there's a lion bar up in the dressing room and he's got lions on his boots. Yeah, literally. It's just as soon as that come out, it's just like that's what it is. When things like this happen, just ideas start ticking. You know, like it's the first thing I thought. I thought, right, I'm gonna do Andy Gallagher. I'm gonna make him Lion King theme, and they're gonna go down really well with the fans. It's just that's what I mean. It's just like making the most of these opportunities when they arise. I think. Where do you think it can go for you now? Doing because it, it, are you just a one one man one man band at the minute? I'm on my own doing it at the minute. I've had a lot of support from friends and family and stuff, but in terms of actual like pushing out stuff, it's it's pretty much just me. Um, I'd love it to be my full time job. That'd be a dream, to be honest. I've got something in the pipeline that's a little bit different, but would definitely interest Wrexham fans. It's like a clothing thing, right? Um, it'll definitely interest a lot of people, but it's it's very early days yet. Oh, so. here we go. You're just coming on here, just teasing us with new mulling designs and clothing range early days. Hey, look, people, I'm trying. He's he's uh, he's tough not to crack. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, just looking at the designs, the the recent ones that I really like the the mulling Albi um autism ones i mean for, for you do you get to have any because you get the moments you get the screenshots and the pictures but have you got in, in your studio your home any mementos like do you make yourself a pair of the boots or do they give them back to you if they're not using them anymore so i spoke to mullen about potentially getting a pet one of the shoes from last season because that'd be nice i don't know whether like if, if he wants to keep them like, i totally understand like for him it's a massive memento as well um yeah, I mean, I think I think that'll come in time. To be honest, like I'm not too worried about that at the moment. Obviously, it'd be nice to have a couple of things in like you and like to look back on and think, oh, that, that was from this time. But I'm confident that'll come like in the future. Yeah, there you go. And uh, I don't know, maybe a couple more. Then who who would be dream athlete or footballer to to design a pair of boots for? Would you say anyone in the world you can design a pair for? Um, well, I'm a Rangers fan, right? So, a Rangers player. Um, but again, I think I'll I'll get that done. I'm pretty sure. I did say I was going to do it this year, and I, I stand by that. But we'll see. It's just that I went actually went up to the training ground like a few weeks ago. because uh, I'm very much a kind of I do things. I go myself. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm kind of. I literally go there and try and make things happen for myself in person. Uh, I got to training. I spoke to like a couple of people. Um, it was a bit of difficulty getting to Wolves players, but like I said, I'll just I'll just try keep trying. You know, I'll do it. Um, in terms of, I don't know. It's difficult. Obviously, top athletes would be amazing. Like, obviously, you could say Ronaldo or something. <laughs> if Ronaldinho was still playing, it'd be. Nice, yeah. nice, Ronaldinho. Well, look, until then, you've got Andy Cannon and Mullen. You've got a few. Surely, you've got a few more to tick off. At Jacob Mendy, who was in the documentary this week, he did his boots. We saw him yeah. get his first goal. Um, yeah, his were. I'm trying to remember his Gambian and yeah. Yeah, they were, they were subtle. I think they, they, they a lot of people that are not too keen on big fancy designs would appreciate those because they were quite like classic looking, and they really looked like they were, they were like a part of the boot. Like you could get it off the shelf, sort of thing. I felt like, yeah, they were really nice. Well, I guess finally, what what are your expectations then for Wrexham this season? I know you're range fan, but it's hard to escape Wrexham now. You're embedded with the players and kind of all that. It's I'm doing this on the back of a five nil shellac in at Stockport. 
it wasn't good, but I'm saying all hope is far from lost. You know, it's been a positive start with only two defeats in nine, isn't it? I think um, it's clear to see that there is there is issues. But at the same time, I think, like, I really think the fact that they were favourites to go up is crazy. I think the favourites to win to win the, the league is crazy because they literally just come up. Like, how often does a team come up? And you can say all you want about the money and the players they brought in, but at the end of the day, like, they've literally just come into the league first time in... 15 years surely surely that tag's just come from the the in like the 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 kind of promotion and the interest in terms yeah. of like the hollywood they, they're not even bookmakers are just jumping on the the essentially the yeah. documentary bandwagon there yeah. they don't watch week in week out do they so they don't see not to say that they can't do it of course they can do it like they're a great group of lads and there's some really talented players but i just think that people I think if if I think if you're in the in the playoffs, people should be more than happy. You know, I don't think any really be. Obviously, it, it sounds you don't want to downplay anything, but you you shouldn't be automatically expecting right they're going to win the league because it just doesn't work like that. Like those are the lads in front of you aren't going to roll over and just take a a beating, are they? No, so. we've seen this season. I mean, three games where we've conceded five in all three. Swindon, which we came back to. I went to the five-five game the other week. And I was just like, "What the? F- How's it? What's on this? Just gets crazy. It's like Hollywood football. That's exactly what it is. It is. And you know what? I'm glad. I'm kind of glad we got you on because obviously you, your boots did feature on the documentary this week. And Mullen, look, he hasn't got off the mark yet. You're working on some new boots. He's gonna find his feet figuratively and literally, and probably your boots will be on him, mate. He's different, gravy. He's there's no. There's no doubt he's going to start scoring. Like I'm not worried at all. Like he's just there's just something about him. He's just got that star factor, hasn't he? He's just yeah. And and amazing. we've all got stories of maybe we've met him once or twice. But how have you found him as just a bloke? Because he's he's been featured prominently on the documentary. He just seems like a top top fella. I think, like I said, I'm fortunate enough now to know him on a bit of a personal level. And I actually spoke to him the other day because I obviously watched that episode and it was interesting to see him, a sense of like vulnerability from him because I'm seeing him just ice ice cold, basically, just all business. But to see him like that, obviously, Albie means so much to him, his family means so much to him. And then you forget that they're just people you know like he's just so yeah like I, I reached out to him i said look i appreciate everything you've done for me and stuff and so he said nice things back and yeah like i said i'm just grateful to know them most of them on like a personal level there's not one player at that football club that i've had interactions with that has been negative you know they're all great people so <laughs> So there we go then. Look, that was a great chat and I, I felt slightly for him because I know he was slightly under the weather and he's got some more designs coming. As soon as we recorded, the Cheeky Sod uh, uploaded um, a picture of Mark Howard's boots. So they are going to be coming soon for yours, mine away. They look brilliant and a couple more mulling pairs that will be out in the weeks to come, which will be very, very exciting. And as always, We'll share those on Rob Ryan Red on Twitter and Instagram, probably. And if you want to get in touch, you want to ask any questions to to um, to any of the people we speak to, get in touch. Rob Ryan Red Gmail dot com. Rob Ryan Red on 
YouTube as well. Thanks for all those who left comments on the cop delay um, video that we shared last week. Lots of people on there. We're closing in on about, I think it's 1,700 subscribers. So it's nice ticking along on there. Um, do subscribe on there. We do clip up parts of the podcast with a view to encouraging people to listen to the full podcast on Spotify, Apple and and elsewhere. Right, the final segment then, because it's just me and I'm doing a lot of the heavy lifting. It's easier when it's two people, isn't it? Um, the last but not least, look, we go to Mansfield on Tuesday, the home of where Jocelyn Mayabe conceded directly from his opposition goalkeeper. Yes, Field Mill is, is going to be a cracker. Under the lights, Field Mill Tuesday, they're unbeaten as things stand. They might not be by the time we play them. They play Gillingham, who are a tough team this weekend. They could well be unbeaten. Davis Keeler Dunn is a top player. They've got others in there, Aikens up top. They've got Ollie Clark in midfield, Aaron Lewis in midfield, Aidan Flint at the back, Nigel Clough as manager. Loads and loads of really experienced campaigners and, and smart talents. But I don't know the first thing, do I, when it comes to Mansfield. I hold my hands up. But Mansfield Matters host, Craig, he's got not only has he got a brilliant story about why he started the podcast, and he'll share that in this chat, he knows a hell of a lot about the Stags and he is also a great, great talker. So this is my conversation and this is what Craig had to tell me ahead of Wrexham's trip to Mansfield on Tuesday night. Right, so we've heard from a crew fan about the weekend's game, but then we've got to throw it forward to Tuesday night. Rich will be there, Field Mill. Um, mixed experiences. First thing I think of when I think of Mansfield Town is Jocelyn Mayabe conceding from a goal kick, um, which having spoken to Jos recently or fairly recently, he still thinks about that. To figure out what the hell's going on with Mansfield, one of the two unbeaten teams in the division, along with Swindon, who we've already played. I've got the help of Craig, Mansfield Matters podcast. Craig, thanks for coming on firstly, but secondly, a good start to the season, a great start. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been unbelievable, to be fair. We've been up and around it for the last two seasons or so, and I think we always had a little bit of belief that this year we could push on, but I don't think anybody expects us to be unbeaten in all competitions at, at this stage in the campaign, especially with the the way we played. I mean, you look at the way we played at uh, Colchester the other week, we were dreadful for 90 minutes, and then we stick Big Aidan Flint up top. We finally utilise him. He nods the ball down to DKD, and he just does the wizardry that he does and puts it in the back of the net, and we, we've robbed a point, and we, we stay unbeaten. And we've just got this belief at the minute. Obviously, we're, we're talking on the Wednesday, the 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 day after we've just taken Peacebury United out of the uh, the Carabao Cup on penalties, another dramatic night, you know, equalising in the fourth minute of, of six added on. Crazy, crazy things. And there's just a lot going off with Mansford at the minute. And I think we've just built and built and built over the last two seasons or so since we lost the the playoff final, we fell short by one goal just outside the playoffs last year. So, yeah, we've we just built and I think it's just the momentum which has taken us to where we are at the minute. Well, that's what I was going to say because you lost out by a goal. You know, Salford got into that final playoff spot. You lost out by a goal. That could have been the type of thing that could have derailed the team. You know what I mean? In terms of you got so close to the playoffs, you end up falling short. Obviously, high turnover players at this level. But if anything, Clough and the management of 
have gone again and galvanized and now you're legitimate contenders for the top three you've got to say that's well within the target well within the reach yeah I think so I think to be honest you talk about the hangover there and that sort of um, the backlash that came at the start of last season because we'd lost the playoff final the the previous year Um, and we really did have a hangover from that we did what you should never do in football and that's completely change your tactic to suit what works for everybody else we've played a really good you know back four four three one two or four four two diamond and it worked really well when we got to the the playoffs two seasons ago on the back of that Port Vale and Forest Green who went up that year and extra as well played with wing backs and a, and a back three we tried to, to emulate that and we we just didn't have the players for it and we had a in-between start last year and, and weren't anywhere around it we then switched to the the back four again sort of late January early Feb and went on a bit of a run but too little, too late. And I just think that in terms of the hangover, we'd got that out of the way. And I think this year, it's really been about picking up from where we left off. Yes, we've made a few additions and brought in some key players. But realistically, we've not brought in too many. We've not had this massive turnover, which other squads do. We've kept a lot of the squad together. We've moved a few players on, but we've also kept the large majority together. We had Will Swan on loan from Nottingham Forest last season. We've got him on on a permanent. We've signed Christy Pym on a permanent. We've added a few players in in key areas, but largely players that were here at least towards the back end of last season. So I think realistically, it's not a new season for us. It's just a, a, a continuation from the back end of last, which probably explains it. Before we maybe get onto some of the games, specifically some of the players and the manager, I mean, I'm just going to run through anyone. I'm just going to run through the results for anyone who hasn't seen Mansfield's results this season. So, finished with 10 men, but drew 2 2 at Crew. Then, AFL Cup beat Grimsby 2 0 at home. I'm sure, that one was quite sweet. Mansfield then 3 0 winners over Morecambe in the league. 2 2 away at Doncaster Rovers. 1 1 away at Grimsby in the league. 3 2 win over Stockport. Second round of the EFL Cup. You beat Sheffield Wednesday 5-4 on penalties. Then back to the league, a 0-0 draw with Bradford, a 3-0 win against Accrington Stanley with a goal that went viral. Maybe we'll get into that shortly. Colchester one all draw. That's probably frustrating given where Colchester will probably end up. And then a 1-0 win over Barrow. And obviously, as you said, Peter beating them 3-1 on penalties. I guess from the league perspective, who's been the best team you've played so far this season, do you think? That's a difficult one because I think many people will, you know, will look at the likes of, of Bradford who who played all right and all the teams there. I think we've got a lot of those teams still to come. For me, one of the, the, the toughest teams we've played was last Saturday against Barrow. They came up and did a job against us. They are where they are for a reason. They've got a good squad there and they came and set up defensively and we really struggled to break them down. I always look back now and think, how on earth have we won that game? We didn't deserve to even get a point out of that because we were poor for 60, 70 minutes. And it was only really a, a half-hit, grass-cutting shot which managed to nestle in the, the bottom corner, which has won us the game. So I think defensively, like in terms of trying to break a team down, they were one of the, the toughest teams for me. But I still think we've got those better teams yet to come. And uh, I think arguably this week for us is probably one of those weeks. You look at Gillingham, who we've got away on Saturday afternoon. They've had a really good start to the campaign, considering where they were last season. 
they're eager to build. And then obviously you guys on Tuesday night, you know, you've had a, an indifferent start, but you're still up and around it. And I think it's going to be two very different but very competitive games. So uh, I think it's a real marker of, uh, of where we are. I think Nigel Clough hit the, the nail on the head last night. He went, yeah, we're still unbeaten, but we're only a month into the season. And it, you look at the amount of games you played and you think, really? But no, we are, and it's it's still early doors, so I think it's still wide open. What's the feeling on Clough among the fan base? I mean, you know, he's had a couple of jobs. He's been elsewhere, been at Derby and, and other places. Is he is he a man that, that you all firmly believe in? Is he a man that can deliver a promotion? I know he's had a, a playoff final, which narrowly missed out, narrowly missed it on the playoffs last season, started well this season. What's the general mood around Nigel Clough? I think when we're winning, like every other every other club, <laughs> it's great. Um, no, Nigel, I've had the privilege to work with Nigel. I did commentary for in the season we got to um, to Wembley, and I know Nigel's a lovely bloke off the pitch, and he really talks a, a really good game. But as a fan, it can be very frustrating to watch him. But I said this when he got appointed. Nigel Clough's the type of manager that will deliver you success as long as your owners allow him time to deliver that success. It's a little bit like you with, with Phil Parkinson, you know, he's, you've got, a, you had a lot of pressure on your shoulders to get out of that division. You know, we've done it ourselves. We know exactly how difficult it is, but you need time to, to be able to do it. And I think we've had that as, as, as a football club where we've been on the cusp of success and then we've we've got rid of our manager because he's not quite delivered. And then we've taken a step backwards with Nigel Clough, we've allowed him time to develop and he's built this squad over three years. We're not in a position where we are now because of two months' work. We're not in a position we are now because of X amount of signings in the summer. We are where we are because over time it's instilled a confidence and a drive and an ethic amongst the playing squad. Yes, he's moved one or two players on and brought one or two players in, but what he's done is kept a consistent and if you look at where we've been playoff final in and around it all all season last season in and around it all season this season pushing again and it's exactly what he did at the likes of Burton Derby Sheffield United wherever he's been he's got rid of a big wage budget built a squad capable of competing and then either delivered or moved on. And I think this season he was out of contract in the summer. We could have got rid of him. There were options out there are options out there, but we've stuck with him and we've given him the, the time to deliver. And I think this year, it could be the one. It could be the one. Now, one player that could have been the one for us was Davis Keeler Dunn. Dean Keats loved him to pieces. We had him uh, heading into COVID and we just simply couldn't match the terms that he was being offered from elsewhere. We had to just throw the towel in and say, we, we can't keep him. We haven't got the resources to keep him. Uh, and and on he went and and he left and safe to say he's been one of the division's best players this season. I mean he got the brace against Stockport in that three two win. He's come up with other clutch goals. I mean what's he on now? Eight goals, seven goals, something in that in that region um, through the first nine games. I mean talk to me a bit about him. He's playing in a number ten role. It looks like off two strikers, whether that's Aikins and Fish or uh, Swan, even the Fish, Aikins and Swan or. Um, Reese Oates has played up there as well, as he? Uh, so it looks like he's in that kind of pocket of space which players love to be in, like the, your Elliot Lee types. H how good is Davis Keeler done? He's a, 
been a breath of fresh air again. He was one we brought in in January last year. So like I was saying earlier about that continuation from the back end of last season, he's been in there and, and done it. And uh, he's playing in that 10 role, as you say. He's got a little bit of free roam. He's really found his groove. And whenever he does play there, he, he just links up really well. He, he drops a little bit deeper at times when he needs to. He's a really creative player drives us forward and to be honest he's, he's one of those I can see why every single set of fans that he's left behind are, are disappointed because he's a big game player he's a class player he knows how to win a game of football he knows where the back of the net is importantly and we sort of sit there seething a little bit and, and say why didn't we go the extra five ten percent at the start of last season to get him because we we tried when his Oldham deal was up or, or when he was looking to move on from Oldham, we were in contract talks with him um, and ultimately decided to take that jump up to League One at Burton and it didn't work out. But if we'd have pushed and added that extra, you know, 5%, 10% on his wage or whatever it would have taken to get him over the line, it could have been the difference between us being in League Two again or, or us being in League One. And I guess that's football, though, isn't it? There's, you can talk about the ifs, buts, and maybes all, all along. I mean, who'd have known that Ollie Palmer would have turned out to be a decent player? So, <laughs> game football, isn't it? It didn't. It didn't take long. Ollie Palmer is going to get a fascinating reception if he's fit. He's uh, he's having some problems with his knee. Parkinson's hoping he plays against Crew. Obviously, we're speaking before we know what happens on Saturday, so very difficult for us to know. Touch wood that there's no injuries for either side. But realistically, it looks like when I'm I'm looking at your previous games and systems it looks like Clough is kind of set on this 4-3-1-2 with Davis Keeladon in behind two strikers I'm probably most interested in that midfield three behind Keeladon of looks to me like Ollie Clark's played a lot of minutes uh, Louis Reed's played a lot of minutes and uh, you know is that an area that you lot of George Maris in there as well is that an area you lot are dominating or is that an area where you feel is a bit of a a soft underbelly that Wrexham maybe could exploit? Uh, it depends who, which three were playing there. Clark's not played too much. Um, he missed the large majority of pre-season. Played the last couple of games and came on last night, actually, and uh, really changed the game and really helps drive us. But um, one consistent in there has been Louis Reed, who obviously we got from, um, from Swindon uh, again in January. But again, he got injured on his debut, so it feels like we only signed him in the summer. Um He's been a breath of fresh air for us, but the, the one to watch out for has been Aaron Lewis, who was at Newport last season, played predominantly at full-back. Um, Nigel Clough has gone, no, I see you as a midfielder, and he's linked up really well down that right-hand side, and him and, and Lewis Reed have, have been the, the two mainstays, and then the third has either been George Maris, Stephen Quinn, who's out injured at the moment, um, Hiram Boateng as well, who... For me, leave him out. Um, and, and Ollie Clark. So it, it's it, that midfield for me, I've said it for, for years that Mansford have probably got one of the strongest midfields in the division. I, I still think it, it's the same now. Um, I don't think that's a weak point at all for us. Our weak spot is, is getting in behind us, getting in behind the fullbacks and uh, not dealing with, with crosses because when you play the way that Mansfield do in that, that back four with that fluid midfield, our fullbacks like to get forward and like to uh, play a little bit higher. And again, it only takes a good team to uh, to undo us. Um, you are preaching to the choir. <laughs> we we had the exact same problem at Stockport. We pushed on so high. James yeah. McLean, who's a winger, Ryan Barnett, who's a winger. Um, 
got in behind them both and suddenly the back three were very exposed and in your case a back two if uh, the centre backs so yeah on Aaron Lewis quickly though what a goal I mean his goal which people would have seen a million times over now against Accrington and it's in front of the away fans which makes it even better it comes out he loops it in from 35 yards whatever it is where does that rank in terms of the goals you've seen scored for Mansfield? That's got to be right up there. No, it's not. And I, 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 it's not. No, I'm going to give the controversial answer and Stags fans and probably Aaron Lewis might um, tweet me and go, what, what are you on about? Um, but I think even himself, he sort of admitted after the game, he went, I was knackered. I just stuck my foot out and, and hit it. Um, realistically there, what I think what he's trying to do is dink a ball forward for the forwards to run to and he's just hit it so sweet it's gone in the top corner. The best goal in that game was was DKD's overhead kick. James Gale, the, the young forward we've got, gets in down the right-hand side, puts a really sweet dipping cross in. DKD knees it up, back to goal, flips it over his head and, and, and dinks it in the top corner. Um, it was a class goal. In terms of one of the best goals I've seen, I don't know if you remember it, there was this goalkeeper wearing a pink shirt. Oh, here we go. I've, I've set him off. I've set him off here. I've set him off. Um... Out of his hands and, uh, yeah, over... I, I can't. I still can't get over that, and the fact that that was also under the lights, and we're going back under the lights at field. I mean, it'd be a great occasion. I mean, in terms of you'll have a huge crowd, will at bigger way, and I think it'll be a really good affair. And I think there'll be goals in that because both teams. The, the question is, when we always get on, is you know what are the opposition strikers like? Because we're obviously suspect defensively now. That speaks of we've conceded twenty goals. Aikens, Gale, Oates, uh, Swan. I mean, there's. There's strikers there. Which is the one that... I mean, Aikens seems to play a lot. Is he someone who's, who's a raw talent or someone who, who can really hurt us? Well, Lucas Aikens, I think, lives at Nigel Clough's house because he's, he's he always plays. He's like 34, 35, whatever. Been with him everywhere. He's, he's like mainstay, isn't he? Um, but he, to be fair to, to Lukey, he gives an absolute shift every, every game. For me, the one to watch out for, I think one thing to say before, before I highlight a striker is when people think about strikers and forwards, they think about them scoring goals. Our strikers don't tend to score a lot. We score from midfield. We score from all over the pitch. And that's what's key to us, the fluidity in midfield. Our strike force, Resos had a really good start to the season. We were starting to see the old Resos, the one with a bit of pace, a bit of flair about him, and then he gets injured. Um, so he's missing. James Gale's a young forward who's been out injured and, and starting to get back into it a little bit now. He's a tremendous talent. Two seasons ago, he was playing at Long Eaton United, banging goals in for fun. Um, our commercial manager at the time was also manager of uh, Long Eaton and recommended him. Ian Deakin, who's a former goalkeeper of ours. Um, and he, he signed him and Nigel Clough really believed in him and given him game after game and game. He's really worked in the summer on building his physique. He's a good, strong physical player. He'll press and press and press. And he, he played... Last night, he ended up, we, we went a little bit defensive. We played 4-1-4-1 for a while. He played left wing and he absolutely tormented Peterborough. He did not give them a second to breathe and uh, really good young forward. All he's missing is a goal to his, his name. So watch out for him. Uh, I just think it's about how we deal with with you guys getting in behind our fullbacks. I think if Jordan Bowery, who striker by trade, but now playing right back, don't ask, um, and uh, Callum McDonald's uh, start, I think they'll we'll, they'll be fine. Um, and I just think, realistically, it's just about how high up we lose the ball and how quickly we are to, to get back in. Um, I know you guys with, with Ben Toza will always try and utilise that, that long throw. 
with Aidan Flint at the back, I don't see it being too much of a problem, to be honest. Um, we just got to keep Oli Palmer quiet because we know he's going to pop up for a goal. But like you said, defensively, you guys are obviously, you know, really susceptible to conceding. 20 scored, 20 conceded. And what's that, the highest goals conceded in the top seven? That's a right. That's that's a must be a concern for for you guys, and I guess you you, you know you're still finding your feet, aren't you? A little bit. So, yeah, interesting to see how it plays out. Yes, very interesting. Well, look, we're part of the Talksport fan network, as are you guys, Mansfield Matters. Talk to us a bit about your podcast and and kind of, you know, we've got a lot of people who are very much getting into League Two football, trying to listen to other content creators. Talk to me a bit about your podcast and and, and how people can follow and, and track it. Yeah, so Mansfield Matters um, started when we were in the conference as a, as a radio show. We were the only ones doing commentary at the time. So that goal from Alan Marriott, I was commentating on that and I didn't see it because um, there were people stood up in front of me. Just saw the ball go in the back of the net and I was like, what happened there? Um, then when we went into the league, it sort of took a backseat. Um, and then I think now seven seasons ago, um, I'd gone through a bit of a, a breakup and I wasn't really in a good place mentally. And there was a friend of mine who's, who's blind. He'd just um, gone fully blind and he was struggling to really enjoy games. And we met up with each other and we were talking about what we could do to sort of, you know, like have a reason to go to games. And we both said, well, why don't we start a podcast? Why don't we start like d- doing something? And we neither of us were, were drinkers. No, I'm Tito or he didn't drink much. So, you know, going down the pub after a game to talk about it wasn't our thing. So we thought, well, why don't we try and create something? And we did. And we were going to probably stop it after the first year of doing it. But people seemed to enjoy it. And then obviously when COVID came along, what, two, three years ago now, um, it really took off because we did like a wraparound. We did like a pre-show before the game. Then we did like a post-match analysis the season after I ended up doing commentary so we sort of wrapped it in with that and we've just built it and built it and built it and now we've got um a regular panel of a regular team of five and we tend to have like three on a week and we rotate it around and then we've got like three or four who pop in on an occasion and we just use it as that thing of a place where people can come and talk and have their opinions and one thing which we do a little bit differently to other people is we don't have other podcasts on. We've thought about it over the years, um, but we wanted to sort of keep it Mansfield. And we love coming on other people's podcasts. We love getting those invites and, and really chatting to you guys, but we've never really done it ourselves. And we always broadcast it on Facebook Live and YouTube. We never pre-record it unless like we really, really need to. I think we've done it twice in seven years pre-recording it. And the reason is to make it a community where we go off fan comments. So we have no notes for the show whatsoever. We know what we're going to talk about-ish, but we just let the conversation flow. And it's basically like, it's our version of being sat in a pub, maybe sat in the turf for you guys, um, or sat in a costa or whatever, and just talking about the game. And it's just our hour where we just come together and yeah, just talk about football. We don't care about listeners or viewer numbers we obviously care about people watching and listening but we don't care about numbers um we just do it for our enjoyment and if people can take something from it if it's their hour a week where they can switch off from their lives and just have a little bit of a laugh or whatever then that's great it always bemuses me when people come up at a game and say you're right craig how you doing or you're right clive or alan or cam or whoever and we we don't know their names but they're great podcast last week or whatever it's it's great so long may it continue but you know we've done done it for seven seasons and 
still haven't got promoted so i'm starting to think that we're the curse so yeah, that makes sense yeah. that checks out that seems yeah. like that seems like the only reason you haven't got promoted it's, is because it's you started a podcast changing managers or being rubbish for a couple of seasons so it's cause no. you know. well look that's a gr- that's a great story i love that that's uh, exactly why you should want to do it and look podcasts not to get the violin out there it's it's a lot more work than people think it is you know every week it it takes a lot to keep it going so seven seasons I, I, I tip my cap to you basically um and you do a live show every thursday that people can listen to so when this is out if you listen to this on thursday morning or if you listen to it later in the week obviously we're playing on tuesday go back and, and you can find it on youtube or, yeah, or, or mansfield matters well. so we, we do put it out Spotify. as well with like like I, as a as a content creator, as someone that works in like digital media and stuff, I do like have a little look at the numbers every now and again. I never share them with the group, but I like it's interesting to see where people watch and listen. And there is no real comparison between those who watch it live and interact with it live, or those who listen, which is which is mad. It's got a nice little thing for it, and yeah, I mean, keep up the the good work with what with what you're doing because obviously you've got much more exposure around you guys than than any other club really in the division, which I find fascinating. I remember when we were in the league together and we came down together in that horrendous season. We got out after five years. It took you 15. So I'm really pleased that you guys are um, are back. It's what everybody dreams of, isn't it? Having big money and things like that. But I think from what I can see from the outside, it's not been splashed too much money at it. It's been you know, cautious and calm. We can't say anything about splashing money because when we got promoted that year, when Matt Green scored that penalty on that final day of the season, the amount of players that we had watching in the stand that we brought so Luton couldn't have them is unreal. There we go. Look, that's very, very bad. Uh, lastly, then, before we go, a big week. We said it already. It's a big week. Very. What's, what's your snap verdict? What do you think? You don't need to necessarily give exact score predictions, but does the unbeaten run continue as of Tuesday about 10 p.m. I made a bold prediction on last week's podcast and said that if we could get through our next game, which at the at the time was Barrow at home, Peterborough in the cup, and then Gillingham away, who we've still got to play, if we could get through those games unbeaten still, we would get automatic promotion. And I'm well on course to see that prediction come true. And for me to say that is massive because anybody that listens to our podcast will say that the guy that you're talking to right now is the biggest pessimist in the world. And is always not negative, but always like struggles to believe and always has a the pessimistic view. Pessimistic priest sometimes they, they call me. Um so I still think we if if we get through Gillingham, I take a point now. Um, but I think we can go there and win. And then Tuesday night at home, if we've got a good cup draw as well, which of course we've still got to wait for tonight, that could buoy us. And I think we could see close to a full house. And if we can get the one call stadium, aka field mill rocking. I think you guys could be in for a long trip home, empty-handed. Uh, Maybe one of our goals. We've, we've, we're due to give somebody a hammering, just saying. And, you know. I feel like we're due to give someone a hammering. Do you know what I mean? I feel like we're, I feel like Ollie Palmer's due, Ollie Palmer's due a hat-trick or due about, you know, a brace or something. He's not yet hit the ground running, has he, since he's, he's come back from his injury, has he? Which was, by the way, inflicted by our ex-goalkeeper Nathan Bishop, which was oh funny. god. But um... yeah, no, he he hasn't hit the ground running. So look, he's due a breakout game. I think it'll be a good game. I'm gonna go if 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 we if we got a pointer, I think we 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 hammer crew as a response to the Stockport game, and then if we beat if we if we draw with Mansfield, I will be happy as Larry. So let's see. Oh, may the best team win. And look, all the best for the rest of the season. Check out Mansfield Matters. Um, 
great podcast and you know lots of different people and it'll be good to see how they get on especially davis keeler done and if he comes back to haunt us on tuesday i will be lying down in a dark room <laughs> thanks nathan let's shake hands now and say six all yeah exactly Right, that's it for another week. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back to normal next week, either with an interview or Rich will be back on and we'll be doing our normal podcast. Please keep an eyes, your eyes peeled on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter for all our updates. And yeah, all that's left to say is, look, we'll boot it out. We'll boot the Stockport result out of our system. I'm almost certain we'll respond against Crew. I think probably something like a 3-2 win. Uh, don't back either side to keep a clean sheet. And Mansfield, I would snap your hand off for a draw right now. I'm pretty confident about that. That's what I'd be looking for. So if we get four points out of six, we are looking good. Remember, as I was saying at the weekend, remember there is always more mitigation. There's a bigger margin for error in League Two. Stevenage and Northampton went up losing about nine games. I think Carlisle, who went up in the playoffs, I think they won 20 of their 46 games. So just for a moment, understand that it isn't the National League. It isn't every draw feels like a massive defeat. We will be fine. I'm sticking with my top three prediction. We will be just fine. But as always, this episode is brought to you in partnership with Red 10 People Development. Without them, this podcast just wouldn't be able to be possible, wouldn't be able to keep it going. Thank you to everyone who's donating on their own um, coin, on their own money. Um, That is honestly very, very great. We're very, very grateful for that. Top of the just give it a uh, top of the description. I can't, I'm tripping on my words here. Top of the description, the just giving page for Aaron's army. We had Nicola on last week. Go and listen to that. It really was powerful uh, when I listened to it back. And and you you see why it's so important. Ben Toes has rallied behind it. Luke Young's rallied behind it. But yes, I will catch you next week. I'll be with Rich. I won't be tripping over my words so much because I'll have someone to help me. But thank you to Red 10 People Development. Thank you to Hypnotic. Thank you to Nicola for continuing to fight the good fight for Aaron's army and thank you to Wrexham for just getting us a result. I'm, I'm going to thank them in advance. Thank you for Wrexham for getting us a result and putting Stockport behind us because I firmly want to forget that. So yeah, without further ado, I will let you go and I will see you again next time. TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.